You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Billion Dollar Ballers this morning on America's Web Radio. I'm Jack Christides bringing you the show where we talk about the business of sports from the NCAA all the way up to the professional leagues. And we have a great show for you today. It really is a crazy time in the world of sports right now. Uh, Got everything going on with the coronavirus still affecting everything. NFL going into some some interesting new protocols. We've got the NBA coming back in just a little over a month now, which is pretty crazy, pretty unique to see an NBA season starting right around Christmas. Uh, We've got college football still chugging along. Um, with games being canceled left and right, but they're trying their best. We've got college basketball coming up soon. There's talks of an NHL season starting in January. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Uh, And all of this going on um, while the NFL is in their playoff push. Um, There's just so much happening in sports, and I'm so excited to continue doing this show keep on bringing you the important sports business news that you need and uh, and that uh, I hope you all find entertaining. Um, so with that, let's jump right into the first segment of the show today. And for the first segment of the show, we're actually going to talk about college basketball. Now, um, I know I talk a lot about college football on this show, um, and I routinely say to all you folks listening that College football and college basketball are the two revenue drivers of the NCAA. They're the two sports that generate the revenue that makes everything work, that keeps all the other sports alive. Um, And really the reason that I've been talking about college football so much more than college basketball lately um, is simply because since the last NCAA tournament was canceled, we haven't had any college basketball. Um... It's finally coming around. The new season scheduled to start on November 25th. Um, and with the NBA draft having just happened uh, two days ago now, a great draft. It was great to see another online success for sure. Um, and some big names there that we'll talk about eventually, I think, could have a big impact on the, the professional sport. I just thought no better time uh, than now to talk about college basketball. Um, Obviously, though, there, there's going to be a lot of struggles with college basketball. It's going to be very difficult um, for them to pull off the type of season that they're going to need um, in order to ensure that they, they do bring in all of that revenue um, and that they continue to operate at a high level um, where not only the teams are able to play, there's good competition, um, but also where athletic departments are being well-funded um, by such a major sport. Um, With that being said, let's jump into it. Let's do it. Um, As many people are aware of, I'm sure, some of the best teams in college basketball were supposed to be celebrating Thanksgiving in the Bahamas. Um, But when the pandemic canceled the tournament called the Battle for Atlantis, um, all those schools had to change their plans. Um, They had to completely shift what they thought would be a wonderful vacation to the Bahamas rip up their tickets to paradise, and book a trip to South Dakota. Um, quite a different location. Um, uh, now, the reason for doing this is the, the relocated teams were seeking a safer place to play. Um, 
funnily enough, they, they happened to pick a part of the country um, with one of the worst COVID-19 outbreaks anywhere in the world. Uh, the coronavirus is currently tearing across South Dakota um, right now. The number of cases and hospitalizations per day surged to their highest levels of the pandemic last week. Uh, and the state's weekly testing positivity rate of 58% is among the highest in the United States. Uh, and about 1 in 14 people in South Dakota, uh, given that there aren't that many people in South Dakota, have reported cases. Um, and 1 in 50 have active infections. Um, and perhaps even more troubling, nowhere in the state is the, the virus more uh, more widespread than Minnehaha County. Um, and that's where organizers of the Bad Boy Mowers Crossover Classic in Sioux Falls, um, an event hosted by Sanford Health, um, believe they have taken enough precautions to welcome men and women's college basketball teams from 10 states next week. Um, so again, this initial preseason tournament has been moved from the Bahamas to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, now you may be wondering why are they moving this this tournament to such a COVID-heavy location, um, and why am I spending so much time focusing on this this strange preseason tournament? Um, well, the main reason really is that Samford Health program. Um, this tournament is being hosted by Samford Health, a major. Uh, a major health organization that aims to be one of the big players in attempting to ensure the safety of college basketball throughout the season. Um, so this tournament's really going to be a barometer of how well college basketball is going to be able to function. Um, if it goes off without a hitch, um, then maybe we can be optimistic. But if it struggles, I mean, if, if there are problems, um, be it with COVID or be it with the execution of the tournament, um, it, it does not paint a rosy picture um, for this year's future of college basketball. Um, the tournament is allowing crowds of roughly 850 people. Um, so, again, a, a good test of whether um, COVID-heavy locations can implement enough restrictions and enough guidelines to allow fans at college basketball games. Obviously, fans are a big driver of revenue. That would be extremely beneficial if teams were able to bring fans into their stadiums. Um, the organizers of this tournament, they're saying that it's going to emulate the NBA's bubble um, for the teams, and they're betting that their frequent testing, um, which they've stated will be happening every other day, um, along with other stringent health protocols and limited contact with the surrounding community, will minimize risks. Um, so we're clearly going to be following this tournament extremely closely. Um, several teams have dropped out of this tournament, um, there, there are several key names, Ohio State being one of them, who decided to pull out. Um, but there also are a lot of huge teams involved. Um, so, I mean, seven of the men's teams that are checking in are visiting from Nebraska, Utah, Tennessee, California, Kansas, West Virginia. I mean, these are teams from all over, and they're heavy hitters in Division One basketball. Um, so we'll be following closely, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, now, I mentioned the implications for the future of college basketball this year, not only in the regular season, but also, um, if we can for a moment, think far ahead 
to March Madness to the NCAA tournament. I mean, this really could be a blueprint for how that's going to operate. Um, if, if there are March Madness losses, it's going to mean long-term budget hits for basketball schools. I mean, uh, March Madness is the largest single driver of revenue for college athletic programs. Um, even bigger than the college football playoff, uh, it's pretty huge as far as revenue goes. Um, especially for many FCS and non-football conference schools. Um, it, I mean, this, this basketball season and the NCAA tournament, it carries a huge amount of urgency. And making it to the end is almost more important than getting things off the ground. Um, March Madness yields a six-year financial windfall for participants, um, with payments made to parent conferences in annual installments. Um, thumb that down a little bit. The March Madness ensures that all active participants will be getting six years' worth of annual payments. Um, so make the NCAA tournament once, even as a small market team, and you'll be getting payouts for six years. I mean, that's, that's no small factor uh, in how huge the tournament is. Um, the, con- the conference's own postseason tournaments, of course, are tremendous sources of revenue, too. Um, at the Big East, which is very unique um, and unlike other conferences, was not able to cash in on an insurance policy um, to recoup any of its spring's losses. Um, almost 20% of league revenue comes from its basketball tournament, uh, and millions more come from the NCAA tournament. Um, and to even further show you the importance of this, America East Commissioner Amy Hutchinson told Sportico, that her conference doesn't even start generating revenue from basketball games until its postseason conference championship playoffs. Uh, And obviously much of that money is coming from ticket sales, um, of which there's already an anticipated loss for this season. Um, So while it's great that we're getting started, it's great that we have that Bahamas tournament moved to South Dakota, um, I'm cautiously optimistic, although... Uh, the, the real money is made in the postseason. Um, the real revenue comes through the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. Um, and we're going to need to get there, and it's only time will tell. Of course, as I've said, I'm an optimist. Fingers crossed. I think they can get there. Just got to be smart about it. Um, a last quick point for this first segment. I did want to mention college basketball betting. Um, I know a lot of the listeners out there are are huge into sports gambling, especially during Corona and especially during the holidays. Um, I know most of what I do during the holidays tends to be uh, drink, eat, and gamble, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, So for all of of you wondering about college basketball betting, um, it it obviously is a huge battle for information right now amid coronavirus. Starting and completing the basketball season will be a victory for bookmakers and betters along with the NCAA and the individual teams, um, especially with coronavirus cases continuing to surge across the country. Um, I mean, there are just so many different uh, data points that, that need to be looked at for sports betting this year, and I'm not, I'm not giving you gambling advice here. Trust me, you don't want my gambling advice um, but, but what I am telling you is that you need to be cautious. Um, 
placing early bets is especially risky at a time like this. If you're big in the future bets, uh, I don't. I really, I really advise against uh, picking NCAA tournament winners or conference winners. I mean, we've seen with college football, games are getting canceled, or even worse, games are being played without major players due to coronavirus. Uh, the most recent example I can think of is we actually we actually missed a a Trevor Lawrence performance um, when Clemson played Notre Dame, a matchup of one v four, potential future uh, college football playoff matchup. In fact, uh, and we didn't have the best player in the country in the game. Um, so looking forward, it's going to be a challenge for bookmakers and a challenge for betters as well. Um, to be caught up with all of the all of the information, um, and again, I would just advise: be careful. Uh, we don't know what is going to happen. Um, now, with that being said, I always like to give a quick preview of our next segment. We have so much to talk about today, folks. We're doing another lightning round at the end of the show. I'm excited for that. I don't even have time to mention all that we're talking about there. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA draft, rookie shoe deals. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Dwayne Wade. So if you're a Dwayne Wade fan, be excited for that. Trust me, you'll understand when uh, when we get there how it all relates. We're going to talk a little bit about players representing themselves, a bit of a new phenomenon in the sports world, um, something that we haven't seen that much, and a little bit of Chinese influence on the NBA. Um, it's been a while since we talked about the, uh, the fallout from Daryl Moore and the Hong Kong protests, but... We've got some more China news coming your way. So with that being said, I'm excited to get to it, uh, and we'll do all of it after a, a quick, short break. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Uh, We had a a great first segment there talking about college basketball, but now it's time to move on to professional basketball, the NBA. Um, Hopefully all of you, uh, if you didn't get the chance to watch the NBA draft a couple days ago, you at least heard about 
um, what happened. If not, it was a, a very interesting draft. In my mind, one of the more unique drafts we've had in quite a while. Um, we had players drafted from the Australian Basketball League. We had uh, my hometown Detroit Pistons drafted a player, Killian Hayes, right out of France. Um, certainly interesting. If I had to bet, he won't pan out, but that's just how the Pistons work. Um, and then we had some other unique top picks. Um, James Wiseman, who only played two or three games um, out of Memphis. Obi Toppin, a player who didn't even have any Division One offers coming out of high school and ended up walking on at Dayton. Um, so quite an interesting draft this year. Um, but as we know on this show, we tend to discuss the business of sports a little bit more than the on-court performances. Um, so while the draft, uh, there are many business implications of the draft, um, but perhaps the most interesting thing that I saw coming out of the draft, and, and as you know, if you're a frequent listener, I always like to bring you some unique angles on these things. Um, and something that I saw um, that was a little peculiar is that the NBA rookie class is finding little shoe endorsement money available to them. Uh, now, perhaps this is not a surprise. Of course, many of the many of the world's top brands are struggling due to coronavirus concerns right now. Um, but, but I, in my mind, there's a few reasons why this could be happening. However, um, before we get there, I'd like to first um, just shed a light on how massive shoe endorsement deals actually are. Uh, the top ten shoe endorsement deals of all time. Um, are, I mean, to choose a word, staggering. Um, we'll go down, we'll go from 10 up. Kyrie Irving, $11 million a year for Nike. Russell Westbrook, $12 million a year for Jordan. Um, Dwayne Wade, Lee Ning, $12 million per year. Hold on to that name. Lee Ning, we'll be talking about that in just a few minutes. James Harden, $14 million a year for Adidas. Zion Williamson, a rookie last year, $15 million per year for Jordan. $15 million for a rookie last year, and this year's rookies can't even get a deal. Uh, Kobe Bryant, $16 million, uh, per year for Nike. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Steph Curry, $20 million for Under Armour. Kevin Durant, 25 for Nike. LeBron James, $32 million per year for Nike, and a billion-dollar lifetime sponsorship deal with Nike. And Michael Jordan, could anyone but Michael Jordan be number one? $130 million per year for Nike and, of course, the Jordan brand. Um, so getting back to this year's rookies, we talked about uh, Zion Williamson getting $15 million a year last year. Um, I mean, the only, the only player out of this year's draft to have a shoe deal yet is the youngest ball brother, LaMelo Ball, formerly of Australia's Illawarra Warhawks, uh, which coincidentally he, he purchased. He now owns that team. That, perhaps, is a story for another show. Um, pretty interesting story there. But he is the only player uh, to have signed a footwear and apparel endorsement deal this year. Um, he'll wear Puma sneakers next season. Um, and, and it really is highly unusual um, that multiple pr- top five picks remain unaffiliated um, after this draft. Um, to put it in perspective, in a normal year, 
half the guys in the top ten would have already signed with a footwear apparel company, um, and they would all have multi-million dollar shoe deals. Shine his light. Now, to, to my explanation as to why that has not happened, well, as I said, we've had a very unique draft this year. There's a lack of household names in the class, uh, and it's been a difficult year um, to decide uh, which players we think are going to be the stars. Couple that with the fact that it was a very difficult winter for the retail sector um, and depressed performance uh, for the basketball shoe market has never been uh, more of a problem. Uh, the MPD group reports sales are down 20% year over year through October. Um, and the overall U.S. footwear market is down 7% year over year. Um, and those have likely, those factors have likely all contributed to the brand pullback. Um, it, it actually, Nike came out and announced uh, just a few days ago they won't be signing any rookies before January. Uh, and they don't even have the budget for it. Um, Adidas uh, is rumored too, although I have to say I can't confirm. Um, I have asked a few sources, but I'm not positive as to their position. But it is rumored Adidas is in a similar boat. Uh, obviously, it's logical um, for a company to be paring back right now on their spending. Um, especially the basketball endorsements. Um, performance basketball shoe markets represent less than 3% of total sneakers sold year-to-date. Um, so while we think of it as a really, really important category, it's essentially been relegated to a team product. Um, you don't see that many basketball shoes on the street anymore. I mean, take out Jordans. Obviously, the Jordan brand is iconic. Everybody loves Jordans. You just don't see that many people rocking LeBron's, Kyrie's, uh, Katie's. Uh, does Kawhi have a shoe? I'm sure he does, but let's. I mean, you just don't see a lot other than Jordans on the street. They're mostly a sporting shoe now, and that is a small shift in the market um, from the time when, when you know, there was a time. Um, I remember in my childhood where LeBrons were more prominent on the streets. I mean, a lot of kids were wearing LeBrons to school, um, but now it seems that Jordans are kind of the streetwear, and all the other shoes are typically being used um, just as an on-court uh, performance shoe. So um, a lot is changing in the sponsorship market. Again, I hope all of these um, all of these new draftees perform well. I hope they get their endorsement deals because uh, historically that has helped a lot of young players uh, financially um, because as we know those those early year contracts especially if you're not a lottery drafted player um, they're not as huge as you might think I mean to the average uh, to the average person you and I would probably uh, probably not know what to do with that amount of money but again um, the show's called billion dollar ballers for a reason um, and while they're not all billion dollar ballers uh, many of them are are expecting million dollar paydays in their near future, and we're most likely expecting million dollar a year endorsement deals from major shoe brands. Um, so, hopefully, if the year over year performances uh, improve for these for these apparel companies, which I would speculate they would, especially with a vaccine coming out and and perhaps more stimulus money, um, then maybe we'll see some more endorsements, but. I just thought, uh, coming out of the draft, a pretty cool um, and interesting sports business story to follow. Um, now, that being said, 
I hope you held on to that name I mentioned um, when I was talking about Dwayne Wade's shoe contract. It's one of the top ten shoe contracts of all time, and it's with a Chinese brand called Li Ning. Now, why am I bringing this up? Li Ning lately has really been trying to become a major player in NBA hoops. Uh, Dwayne Wade brought the brand to prominence back when he played. He signed a lifetime deal, um, and as we as we announced, it was a massive deal, one of the top ten largest shoe deals of all time. Um, I mean, he had signature shoes. If you haven't seen them, I'd urge you to check them out. I mean, I'm not telling you to buy a pair, but just uh, well, you know what? Buy a pair if you want, but go online and just and just Google leaning Dwayne Wade sneakers. They're pretty cool. I mean, it, it's some cool stuff, and they're relatively affordable as well. And, and they're quality. I, my brother has a couple pairs that he's allowed me to wear before, and I'm a big fan. Now, uh, Jack, why, why are you talking about leaning? Nobody cares. All right. Well, I'm talking about leaning because recently, uh, on Thursday, actually, this is somewhat breaking news, we found out yesterday uh, that Heat star, Miami Heat star, Jimmy Butler is signing on to be the face of Lee Ning. Um, following in the footsteps of Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler has become the face of the Miami Heat following their incredible run to the NBA Finals. Um, and it comes as no surprise that the brand would want to continue their legacy with a Miami-based star. Um, Jimmy Butler was formerly with Adidas uh, and is one of the biggest stars in the NBA. I mean, this is a massive signing for Lee Ning. Um, it's uh, it's amazing to see them continue um, to get some high-profile stars to sign to their brand. Um, although the Heat came up short against the high-powered uh, Los Angeles Lakers team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it's clear the Heat are once again part of the NBA's elite. Um, and with Puma and New Balance breaking into the sneaker market right now, it only makes sense um, for... Um, Brands such as Li Ning and even Converse, who's been making small strides in the NBA as well, to try to capitalize on the surging popularity of uh, not only the league, but the Miami Heat franchise as well. Uh, there's no telling what this duo will, duo's next partnership will be. I'm expecting big things. Um, congrats to uh, Jimmy Butler, Li Ning, um, and hopefully uh, this plays a small role uh, in bringing back together the NBA in China. Um, the NBA obviously gets massive amounts of revenue from China. We talked about their media deal amassing over $1 billion uh, with CCTV, the national Chinese um, media network, where obviously all of the NBA games are broadcast in China. Um, as we've talked about before, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, those games aren't being broadcast currently. Um, after the fallout of uh, Daryl Morey supporting uh, protesters in the Hong Kong protest. Um, the NBA is stronger when China's involved, like it or not. It's billions of dollars in revenue, revenue that they need to keep the salary cap high so we can see super teams um, and so that players uh, get paid more and have the same kind of security um, that they have in years past. So, fingers crossed that Li Ning and Jimmy Butler play a small role in uh, patching up that relationship. Um, now, um, 
Mm, you know what? I'll save this. Uh, I'll save this next little tidbit about sponsorship for the next segment. Um, but trust me, you're going to want to stick around for this one, guys. Um, another huge boon uh, for Jordan in the sponsorship game, and this time they didn't even have to pay anything on the front end. Um, pretty amazing stuff here, and I'll just give you a little hint. DeAndre Hopkins had no small role to play in, uh, in this sponsorship revenue. So with that being said, let's take another short break, and we'll come back talk a little bit more about sponsorship. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week, we come to you with the information that you need so that you will be prepared to advocate for your family and for yourselves when it comes to your health care. God forbid we get Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate, and the left gets what they want, which is a majority in Congress and the White House. First of all, health care will be more expensive. There initially will be a public option. The government will run it. They will be initially very inexpensive, and it will drive commercial payers out of the health care market. Then the choices will disappear. The only insurer out there will be the federal government, and that's when we get a single payer. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome back to just a little more discussion uh, about sponsorship. Now, as we mentioned... Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is the center of this story. Um, if you haven't seen the Hail Mary that DeAndre Hopkins caught in their, uh, in their Week 10 win over the Bills last week, Google it immediately. I mean, go ahead, do it. In the middle of this show, it was maybe one of the best catches I have ever seen. Um, but it's not just the catch. That has uh, that has been gaining notoriety around the league. It's a screenshot image of DeAndre Hopkins plucking the ball um, out of the air over three Bills defenders. Those three Bills defenders wearing Adidas gloves, which are clearly visible in the image, 
while DeAndre Hopkins was wearing black Jordan gloves. Um, uh, the second I saw this, I, I just said, wow, that is tailor-made to be in a commercial. They have to make that a commercial. I mean, it's, it's a startling image, a, a remarkable play, but perhaps an even more amazing photo. Um, and because of the endless loop of the play being broadcast and the photos being shared, memes, likes, retweets, um, Nike's Jordan brand has been a clear winner. And here's where I was initially wrong. They don't even need to make a commercial out of this. Um, that's because in so many zoomed-in photos, the Jumpman logo outlined in white against Topkin's all-black gloves has already generated an explosion of free marketing for the company. Apex Marketing Group, which analyzes analytics in sports and entertainment sponsorships, branding and product placement, ran an analysis about the media value of the event. Uh, and as of 10.30 a.m. this past Monday, it was calculated that $5.7 million had been generated. $5.7 million the day after. Now, I haven't been able to find a figure for what it's at now, but I can guarantee you it's a whole lot more. And that's with zero ad spend on the part of Jordan or Nike. Now, this obviously just points to uh, the new trends in sponsorship for sports. Um, never before has there been so much value with being attached to a major sports team and or a major, major player a star such as DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, it makes people, uh, oftentimes people will question why these sponsorship deals are such big money. Why is LeBron James getting a billion dollars from Nike over his lifetime just to be associated with the brand? And this is a prime example as of why. Sports sponsorship is huge. You can't minimize the value to a brand um, when they're associated with a, a sports star. And the reason being, there are so many opportunities uh, for free content. Uh, every single time that a player performs well, every single time they're on Sports Center, every single time they're in a big game on ESPN or Fox Sports or a regional network, they're generating visibility and revenue for the brand. I'll give you a little comparison here just to show you the growth of sponsorship in sport to date. The catch Odom Beckham Jr. made in a game against the Dallas Cowboys November 23rd, 2014. You all remember, he went back, one hand, three fingers. They call it the catch, the best catch ever. I'm pretty sure it's in Canton in the Hall of Fame already. Don't get me wrong, spectacular catch. Uh, as evidenced by the fact that it created exposure of $2.2 million for Nike. That's a ton of money. That's awesome. That was six years ago. Flash forward to now, the DeAndre Hopkins catch, like I said, one of the best catches I've ever seen. But it's not the catch Odell made, and it generated $5.7 million in one day. If I had to guess, it'll, it'll top out around uh, maybe slightly below the $10 million mark. That's a 5X in six years. 
sponsorship is exploding. It's continuing to grow. You're going to continue to see higher and higher contracts for these athletes. Uh, and this year's NBA draft, a clear outlier due to an uh, economic and environmental impacts. Sponsorship is here to stay, and it's continuing to grow and evolve. Um, it's one of my favorite topics. I love talking about it on the show. Um, but it's something I think a lot of fans should start to take note of. It'll be interesting to see all the times you notice sponsorship in sports when you're more aware of it. Um, transitioning from that sponsorship to players representing themselves and the common denominator here being DeAndre Hopkins. Um, DeAndre Hopkins was traded from the Houston Texans to the Arizona Cardinals last offseason. He promptly decided that he would be representing himself uh, after having a cordial agreement with the Creative Arts Agency, a major player in the sports representation, athlete representation world. And he, for all intents and purposes, did an outstanding job negotiating that contract for himself. Uh, It made him... He negotiated a deal that made him the highest-paid NFL wide receiver uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Many sports professionals have credited him for being able to negotiate not only uh, this $24 million deal, but a no-trade clause and a no-franchise tag to boot. Uh, He's been consistently rated a top Pro Bowl receiver. um, But talent doesn't always translate to such a quality contract. Even when a high-end agent is negotiating for you. Uh, So what is this phenomenon? Um, Why are players choosing to represent themselves and go without agents? Uh, It's certainly a new trend amongst NFL players, um, and, and it's gotten the sports business world slightly worried about what the representation sector of sports will be looking like moving forward. Um, It's part of the trend that has athletes taking more control of their careers and playing a proactive role in what they want. Um, There's a couple reasons athletes have followed this trend to not have agents negotiate on their behalf. Namely, the biggest one, perhaps, is agent fees. Now, if you're not familiar with agent fees, um, let me tell you, as someone who has worked for an agency... um, they can be not only lucrative for the agent, but deceptively large. Um, and many times, I'll be honest, the athlete might not even realize how much money they're losing. Athletes uh, are starting to come to the conclusion that this 3 to 6% commission for agents, considering the amount of work that's being done, may not seem fair. Don't get me wrong. I've worked for agencies. I, I loved working for the agencies. It's a great job, and they do very difficult work, and quite frankly, work that many, if not the vast majority of NFL players and pro athletes simply are not equipped to do. I'm not saying athletes aren't smart. I'm just saying uh, professional sports agents went to school for this. They have degrees. They've taken tests. They've, they've, uh, they have experience. They have, uh, in many cases, law degrees. They know what they're doing. It's no walk in the park. Um... But the workaround that many athletes have found nowadays is that they've been hiring lawyers on an hourly basis or a retainer fee to have them looked over contract jargon. Um, it saved them millions of dollars paying for 
3 to 6% commission fees for agents. Um, and according to some athletes, they can handle it on their own. Again, to all you, uh, all you future professional athletes out there, um, well, I certainly advise being smart with your money and making good financial decisions. Avoiding an agent fee is not always a smart financial decision. Obviously, the agent can negotiate a better contract in many cases than the athlete, so just keep that in mind. Um, that being said, uh, a few other examples of players doing this. Russell Okung, uh, or Okung, one of the first NFL players to start the no-agent trend. He negotiated a one-year deal to bet on himself with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, he said it was a great learning experience. He did get a much better deal in his second go-around. Um, a longtime advocate of athletes taking charge. Richard Sherman, again, um, another example of, of a very well-educated athlete betting on himself. Uh, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Quite famously, extremely well-spoken from the University of Stanford. Uh, initially, he was criticized. Uh, he negotiated a heavily incentivized contract coming off an Achilles injury with the 49ers. Um, many of those critics had to bite their tongues after Sherman was able to hit every single one of his bonuses since he signed with the Niners. Uh, other examples include Bobby Wagner and Laramie Tunsil. Um, I only I brought up this segment because it just points to the, the ever-changing business world of sports. I mean, it's evolving. Personally, I love it. Uh, if I had to um, make a prediction for the future of sports agents, it's not that they're going to go away. It's that they'll evolve. Um, these agents are going to have to start offering a little more value uh, with what they're doing for these players. Obviously, they're providing a lot of uh, expertise. They're providing um, their time and, in many cases, personal investment in their agencies to these players. Um, but they're going to have to do more. They're going to have to relate to them on more of a personal level. Um, one of the agencies I worked for in the past, Game Sports Media, a big, uh, a unique thing that they were able to offer to many of the players um, was lifestyle support. I, I had a boss um, who made it one of his top priorities to ensure that players were set up for a career after sports. Uh, they had the connections in the in the business world, not maybe not the sports business world, but the business world. Um, they were financially independent, essentially, uh, without actually getting them the degree of an MBA. He was getting them MBA educated while they were playing in the NFL. That's the kind of value that agents are going to need to provide in the future to these athletes. So, if you weren't familiar. Um, with the, the agent-athlete relationship or even how those contracts worked or, or what agents did, um, really. That's the direction it's going. I'd say agents are going to become um, mentors, life coaches, um, teachers, friends, um, and it's a good thing. I think, I think it's a very good thing for professional sports. Um, so with that being said, that'll end our third segment um, again, our, our last segment we're going into is going to be uh, something we tried out last week that I think is a lot of fun, allows us to cover a lot of bases, and that is the lightning round. Uh, so stick around for the lightning round. We're taking another short break. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. 
every week we come to you with the information that you need so that you will be prepared to advocate for your family and for yourselves when it comes to your health care. God forbid we get Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate and the left gets what they want, which is a majority in Congress and the White House. First of all, health care will be more expensive. There initially will be a public option. The government will run it. They will be initially very inexpensive, and it will drive commercial payers out of the health care market. Then the choices will disappear. The only insurer out there will be the federal government, and that's when we get a single payer. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Welcome back to the final segment, and welcome back to the lightning round. Um, We're going to start off with NHL news here. The 2021 NHL season, uh, when's it starting? Uh, What are the good questions? What do we need to know? Let's get into it. Let's do it. Um, The NHL is still targeting a January start date. Uh, And with December approaching, the clock is ticking for the NHL to form a realistic model for its return-to-play plan for the 2020-21 season. Uh, In the middle of an unconventional offseason, there's still a lot more questions than answers. Um, How, when, where the NHL plans to execute travel and games. Um, First question is, when will the season start? Um, They initially had said December 1st, but that's now been pushed back to January. Uh, the American Hockey League announced in late October it's targeting February for its start date. Um, however, if the NHL does start in January, players from the AHL would be available for teams during that gap period. Uh, how many games will the season be? Uh, now, the NHL has not officially announced plans to shorten the season, but that does appear likely. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. They used a 48-game schedule during the 2012-13 lockout-shortened season. I have no insider information, but this seems like a logical jumping-off point. Um, between 48 and 60 games would be my guess. Where are teams playing? Will there be division realignment? Uh, the league could opt to open the season using a one-schedule model and transition to a different model. Um, several options have included having all the teams start in hubs instead of their home arenas. Um, after they did have the 2020 playoff bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton. Um, It's clear that the league does not want to put players back in a hub situation for the entire season. Um, But the option of setting up bubble cities does seem like something that they've been considering. Uh, The other option would be for teams to host games in their arenas like normal. Um, Again, we'll just have to wait and see. The biggest question, fans or no fans? 
Um, the NHL did not allow any fans to attend the 2020 postseason. Uh, it's still unclear if fans will be allowed in the stands to start the 2021 season. As I've talked about on this show before, I'd be willing to bet, if at all possible, they have fans. They simply don't generate enough revenue from the TV deals in the NHL to justify the owners putting on a season uh, without having fans in the seats. Ticket sales generate the vast majority of, of revenue for the NHL. And as we all know, um, owners refuse to operate at a loss. It's just not going to happen. Um, so if I had to guess, they probably will have fans. Moving on, MLB. Uh, MLB still aiming for 162 games next year and a 120-game minor league season uh, as recently as two days ago in tandem with the reveal that Theo Epstein was stepping down as team president for the Cubs. Uh, owner Tom Ricketts said during a press conference, it's still up in the air as to when the 2021 MLB season will begin. Um, presumably it's still up in the air how many games will be played. Um, that being said... Uh, I've been told they plan to start the season in April. Um, April 1st is the date that I've been told, and they're aiming for 162 games. Uh, Nice goals, but um, I don't think anyone can really say with full certainty what's going to happen. Given the state of the pandemic right now, the timeline for the vaccine, and and the lack of fans, um, most likely at the beginning of April, I mean, we saw hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue losses uh, during last season without the fans. So um, a lot of tweaks to happen, I, I would assume. Um, it's still a fluid situation, um, and they still have to figure everything out. I'll update you as I get more information, as I always do, but wanted to give a quick update on baseball there. Let's go to the MLS. Big news out of the MLS this week. Uh, sad news for many in the sports business world as the MLS laid off 20% of its staff as the financial impact of COVID-19 on sports continues. Um, 20%, I mean, damn, that's, uh, that's no small figure. 20% of full-time employees at the New York City headquarters. Um, uh, and it's pretty easy to figure out why. Uh, the MLS is bleeding. Not only do they have low viewership in the MLS Cup, uh, the last MLS Cup in, in the bubble they had there, uh, one source uh, with knowledge of details told Yahoo um, that following significant revenue dips, nearly 70 positions had been eliminated. Um, uh, the, the source didn't say, um, and that, that was from Yahoo Sports, um, that source didn't say exactly how many people were let go, um, but MLS only lists five open jobs on its website as of Thursday afternoon. Um, so if you're if you're a young professional trying to get into the sports business world, um, let alone uh, into MLS, I'm sorry. It is a very difficult time, as it is for many folks out there in in many different professions. But especially when it comes to sports, now is a very tough time to find positions. Um, they froze MLS froze its hiring in April, um, and the commissioner. Uh, Mark Abbott, uh, deputies Mark Abbott and Gary Stevenson took a 25% cut, while managers and most of the league's other staff saw decreases between 10 and 20%. Um, and the league has said those reductions will continue. Um, 
last point on the MLS. If you're wondering why it seems like they've been hit so much significantly harder than other leagues, uh, that would be because MLS makes most of its money from game day revenue, um, a stream which has all but dried up uh, without the droves of paying customers allowed in the stadiums. As we talked about with the NHL, the MLS simply does not generate the same uh, major TV contracts that the NFL, NBA, and MLB can generate. Uh, they do not have the multi-billion dollar media rights deals. Um, I mean, uh, so with that being said, uh, the, the losses of an expected over a billion dollars in revenue this year from game day alone um, is no small hit to the MLS. Uh, let's jump to the NFL quickly. Um, not a ton of NFL news today to talk about, but all NFL teams will be operating in COVID-19 intensive protocol starting Saturday. Um, infection rates are rising. We've seen games canceled. A lot of players contract the coronavirus. Um, so starting Saturday through the holiday season, all 32 teams are operating the rest of the season under intensive protocol. Um, that calls for, among other restrictions, all players and coaches to have a negative test from the previous day's test um, before entering the facility, in addition to regular daily PCR testing. All meetings are now held virtually, uh, face masks worn at all time, blah, 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 blah. All the normal things that you've heard, um, I think the major difference to point out here is that there's going to be a larger spend on, uh, on COVID-19 safety precautions. The NFL is doing okay. Um, they managed to get some fans in stadiums. Their revenue um, is obviously down, um, along with their television ratings, which we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, um, although they are doing slightly better than expected um, when it comes to television ratings. Um, but with their revenue already down and continued losses with extra spending, uh, unexpected spending, on uh, not only rescheduling but new COVID protocol, um, I would expect to see a small hit to the salary cap next year. Um, remember, folks, all of the contracts that these NFL players sign are typically on an escalating basis year over year. Um, and, and that is because most of the time, although it's not explicitly written that way, they're based off percentages of the salary cap. And the salary cap is expected um, and projected, because it normally does this, to incrementally increase year over year. Um, across all sports, not just the NFL, but focusing on the NFL right now. Um, COVID could throw a hitch in that. We could, uh, we could see the expected salary cap to not increase uh, as much uh, as projected, um, resulting in some tight financial situations when it comes to your favorite teams and your favorite players. Interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I, I think the last... Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about in our lightning round today is the gaming company Roblox. Um, if you haven't played Roblox, super fun game. I advise it. Um, I know we don't have uh, maybe as young of an audience on this show. Um, maybe you haven't been uh, on TikTok, but TikTok, the biggest, latest social media craze, um, not immune to covering sports news. And, and as we've covered, esports is a sport. Roblox um, all over TikTok, generating huge, huge amounts of, uh, of media attention. Um, they recently filed to go public. Um, uh, they previously had raised $335.7 in venture capital. Um, so perhaps another major player in the esports market that we'll be talking about in shows to come.
Um, actually, you know what? We've got time. One last thing. The Los Angeles Clippers. Um, so uh, we talked about the jersey sponsors in years past, how uh, $20 to $50 million is spent a year by these different, uh, different sponsors to put brands on jerseys. A big new one that just popped up is Honey, uh, and they snatched uh, the Clippers as uh, as the team that they've decided to represent their brand on. Um, pretty big deal for both entities. Honey, major brand, obviously, and the Clippers, um, an emerging team with multiple stars, including Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, um, some players like Lou Williams who think they're stars. They're not. Um We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, that generates good returns. Um, we, we talked about there being a dip in the jersey patch market, um, but hopefully, this uh, represents a comeback in a sense for that. Uh, so that's been our lightning round, and, and that's been our show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening today as much as I enjoyed presenting the show for you. Always love being here with you on Billion Dollar Ballers. Um, we'll be back next week, Friday at 9 a.m. Um, for another great show as the NFL season plays out and we learn more about college basketball, which should be, uh, fingers crossed, restarted by the time we do our show next week. Um, again, with that being said, uh, hope to see you next week on Billion Dollar Ballers. I'm Jack Christides, signing off. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.